Joining us right now is our friend, Dr. Andrew Boston. Dr. Happy New Year. Good afternoon, and thanks for taking the time out to join us. Happy New Year to you, and uh, nice to be with you. Doctor, let's start off uh, very eager to hear your assessment of where we, in your opinion, in the data you're looking at, with where we are in Rhode Island compared to where the Department of Health and Governor McKee says that we are in Rhode Island right now. Obviously, we're having we're having a big you know Omicron uh, uptick. Uh, how how significant that is um, is hard to discern, frankly, uh, because of the refusal of this Department of Health of our hospital system to provide data that's now coming across routinely uh, from other hospital systems. And what do I mean specifically about hospitalizations? Because you know Omicron is contagious, but uh, the first national data that we have in terms of um, uh, outcomes comes from, uh, comes from a a huge um, uh, electronic uh, health record uh, that that was uh, analyzed by Case Western Reserve University. It represents about eighty four million Americans, and across age groups, uh, pediatric, uh, younger, middle age, and then above sixty five. Um, what this database is showing uh, is that during the Omicron wave, compared to the Delta wave. Um, hospitals, the emergency department to visit, uh, visits and hospitalizations were down um, anywhere from two to five fold, uh, particularly in the in the younger uh, age groups. Um, and so it's confirming data from you know from beginning in South Africa and then migrating across to Europe, uh, from around the world that this is a significantly less virulent. Um, uh, COVID, uh, the COVID variant, uh, and that's and that's very important. But but what I'm talking about is 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 really concrete data uh, that other hospital um, systems are providing that we're not getting from from our hospitals and from Rida. Uh, so, for example, Jackson Health uh, System, which is in Miami. Uh, and represents the largest uh, you know, provider. The, the flagship hospital is Jackson Memorial itself, but it's got satellites. And it, every morning, about 8 a.m., it puts out on its Twitter account, which anyone can access, uh, at Jackson Health, uh, what the incidental hospitalizations are. In other words, people who are testing uh, positive, but, but, but COVID is not the reason they're in the hospital. They're in the hospital from anything uh, such as trauma uh, and testing positive to maybe obstetric care, um, to uh, serious medical conditions independent of COVID, uh, heart attacks, strokes, uh, and the like. Um, and they incidentally test positive. They're running at 50 to 57% are testing positive incidentally. COVID is not their reason for admission, but they are testing positive. Los Angeles County hospitals are reporting uh, in this in the four hospitals that the county actually runs that two thirds of their COVID nineteen hospitalizations fall into this uh, incidental category. And in a very revealing Twitter thread, um, Dr. Ashish Shah apparently is on service this this month uh, at one of our local hospitals. So in other words, he's the attending physician and oversees you know, residents and comes in and does rounds. And he put out a very, very, very succinct Twitter thread. And I'll read his key comment as he says, we have a few patients in the hospital for COVID, but not many, thank goodness. Now, he doesn't put any data on that and the numbers on that. And he walks through a couple of case scenarios where, you know, he's basically trying to make the argument that even some of these patients that aren't admitted 
directly because of COVID, it's, it, it creates more burden on the staff because they have to be isolated, uh, et, et cetera. Uh, and that's all well and good, but, but, and, and that's a reasonable consideration that has much to do with reimbursement and staffing, but has nothing to do with the impact of the pandemic. And so I would just like to know, and I'd like to see journalists ask, why are we not getting this data from Rhode Island Hospital, from the Miriam Hospital, from Hasbro Children's Hospital, um, uh, from Care New England System Hospital, well, particularly Kent? Um, why are we operating in the dark with regard to this? Doctor, and again, folks, we're speaking with Dr. Andrew Boston. Doctor, I just want to get your reaction um, the Rhode Island Department of Health released this information. Record almost 10,000 cases over the last two days. COVID hospitalizations topped 400 patients. Hospitalizations at 81% of same day 2021. Case rates up, but two, two times, five times higher for unvaxxed. So what do you make of this data that the Department of Health just released? Yeah, again, these are, these are all data that relate to not distinguishing whether or not these, it's a, a positive test is a positive test. Everyone you know, is, right. is, is conceding now. Right. I know Omicron, Omicron spreads right. and, it, and it infects the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. Um, of course, what's missing, and we've discussed this before, John, is how do you factor in regardless of whether or not, regardless of whether or not a person is, 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 not, is fully vaccinated or not fully vaccinated, the impact of a prior infection? We, we know because of because of my representative, uh, Mike Chippendale, uh, that the that the Department of Health has all these data, and and yet and yet again they, they still refuse to present it in, in in you know with 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 that information because based on the data that I saw through the end of November, um, it was almost immaterial whether whether someone was was vaccinated or not um, when you considered the impact of, of having a prior infection. It so dramatically reduced their risk of, of, of getting reinfected, of getting hospitalized, and certainly of dying, um, that, that that was the key piece of information. And the vaccination status was, was relatively tangential. Oh. Um, you know, and, and, and so if you're not going to provide this information, it's, it, it, is, it becomes very, very difficult to, to, to sort out what's going on. And, I mean, the least they could do is tell us, uh, you know, getting an inkling again from from Dr. Ja himself, you know, doing his rounds with with his service, that there's a lot of people in the hospital that that are considered quote unquote COVID hospitalizations that are simply testing positive, and that's their, not their primary cause of admission. Hmm. And the problem here is that you can go all the way back to autopsy studies, and autopsy studies, uh, you know, the, the morbid science of, of pathology, but it's critically important. Autopsy studies, John, show us that the reason it's called severe acute respiratory syndrome is that if it's a real uh, SARS-CoV-2 infection of clinical significance, people die of pneumonia. So if you, if you can't reveal to people the pneumonia admissions on the basis of, of positive tests, what are we talking about? Right. Uh, you know, and, and this becomes critically important because there are ways to indirectly to get at some of this. It's it's um, it's a it's a pretty good metric, but it's you know, it's not it's not perfect. Uh, the National Center for Vital Statistics um, actually, you know, at least keeps data on whether or not the admission in, in, included any mention uh, of, of pneumonia. 
And when you go through those data for, for COVID and, and start to sort out uh, those that, that, that mention uh, that, that critical factor and those that don't, um, you, you, on the basis of, and this is mortality data from the National Center for Vital Statistics, when you look at, at 18 and older, about half of those deaths have no mention of pneumonia. This, this, is, this, is, this is very, very interesting because it's starting to line up with some of the data on hospitalization that we're beginning to, to have you know, revealed now and that people have been concerned about since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, when you start to look at children, and there's been very, you know, this has been a merciful disease to, in terms of children. The pediatric deaths have, have been lower than, than, than typical even seasonal flu years. But over two years, there, there, there have been deaths that have accumulated. That percentage in terms of kids that, that are attributed, their death is attributed to COVID um, and, it's, and, and, and um, there's no mention of pneumonia, um, that's, that's almost three quarters of the deaths. Oh. So, so, you know, we're, we're operating, unfortunately, um, with a lot, of, a lot of data that's being withheld. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into any sort of conspiracy theory as to why it is. All I can tell you is that it's wrong. And it, and it needs to be redressed. And, you know, it, it, it really should start. Uh, it was a very good piece. You know, the, the Miami Herald is a typical left-leaning city newspaper. Yep. Yet a week ago, they did a very good story uh, about Jackson Memorial Hospital and more broadly the Jackson system in Miami. And they began to reveal this basic number that it's 50 to to almost 60% on some days of, of the COVID admissions are uh, what are called incidental admissions, testing positive, but, but COVID is not the primary cause uh, for, for the admission. That was, a, that was a report in the Miami Herald, and now the, the Jackson Health System is, like I said, is literally putting this update out every day on their Twitter account. Hmm. Why can't the Providence Journal reporters, the WPRI reporters, et cetera, why can't they go to the hospitals and and request the same information. Yep. I mean, this is this is not complicated, and it should and it should not in any way be controversial. Um, and yet, I, I I see this constant refusal to do so. Well, let let me let me touch on that and again, folks. We we'll speak with Dr. Andrew Boston, but I I want to just ask uh, Doctor. Now, you're saying in other states uh, or other areas, it's easier to get to information from their Department of Health than it is from. The, or the then, hospitals. Or the hospitals. Okay. Then it is from, is is the problem here, is it the Rhode Island Department of Health or is it the hospitals? Uh, I, I I think it's both. But I also think that that, that it, it is a function of, of, of some of, you know, what goes on in journalistic circles in this state. Is that they're not, they're, I don't see anyone asking for it. Uh, I mean, I've asked for it as a, as a, as a private citizen. Right. But I, I, I'm going to go to, that's still an unknown uh, we don't know if there are people that have been asking for it. And I'll point to um, Eli Sherman of WPRI Channel 12. He he requests a lot of information. I, I He's done a lot of studies. They have him dedicated on it. Um, I don't know if you've had any dealings with him. but I, I, I never hear of it at the pressers. I, 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 did, hear, I did hear 
I did hear Pat Ford ask it. Yes. And he got rebuffed right. in, a, in, a, in a very, very, uh, you know, typically nasty way by Dr. Scott, yep. who provided no no evidence. Right. She just she threw out a number that was incredibly low compared to what happens. And she, she mentioned something like 10 percent. And that, that just doesn't jive with what's happening in other parts of the country. And by the way, that was the same day that she claimed that only 10 percent of That's the right. cases were Omicron. When we knew a week earlier that for the New England region, it was already running at 45 percent and it was literally doubling each week. Right. And then it it turned out to be 82 percent. So she was off by 72 percent, doctor. Now, doctor, let me ask you right now, then what what is your message to people that are listening? People are frightened. Uh, I I mean, let's go through a couple of things. Is that our imagination or the hospitals are filling up? You're you're trying to state that the hospitals may be filling up, but. But the Rhode Island Department of Health is not telling us what are, what are some of the real underlying causes, putting people in the hospital, what are the ages yeah. of the individuals. Right. Is, so is, leery of the numbers. I, there's no okay. question that there's more infections. Okay. There's no question sure. that there's more infections. But okay. I'm leery of the numbers uh, uh, that, that relate to pneumonias. I mean, it's really, it, you know, if you want to keep it simple, yes, there's going to be some error. There's going to be a few cases that, that are uh, maybe it's maybe a, a true myocarditis, which is not is, is really rare, but, but it can happen in the absence yep. maybe of a severe pneumonia. Usually, it would be with a pneumonia, or, or, or there's, a, there's, a, there's an abnormal clotting that happens with COVID, and it happens with lots of uh, viral infections, right. particularly respiratory viral infections. But 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 if, if you could just tease out the pneumonias that are caused by, ostensibly caused by COVID, that would get, tell us a lot. That's sure. pretty simple. Let me ask you about some headlines. One is this business, the Chicago Teachers Union, they will not go back in the classroom. Would you agree with me? Listen, it's safe for children. Children should be in school. There's no reason why these teachers in Chicago or anywhere should not be back in the classroom teaching. Children. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. They have access. They have access to therapeutics. They have access, obviously, to vaccines. Uh, they, they need to be in the classroom. And by the way, that's another underemphasis in our state. Um, there's there's not enough emphasis on therapeutics, particularly monoclonal antibodies. Yep. Um, I can tell you from experience with with, with friends and colleagues um, that that uh, it, it, you you have to if you really if, if a person is high risk and they're infected and they're a good candidate for for monoclonals, um, they they Are- need they need they need to call up every center in the state yeah. and see if there's a cancellation. Right. Uh, because this is this is how you get to the front of the line. Right. And that's a, that's a, you have to be patient. It's an unfortunate situation, but that's Are- the reality. I, I-, I have a friend who had multiple comorbidities. Um, who, if he hadn't done that, might have had a much worse course. Doctor, let me ask you this. CDC says Americans don't need to test. Instead of Governor McKee opening all these test centers, is it really necessary? Do we need to be testing all these children? No, no. What, what you, you, we need to go back to what's traditional uh, epidemiology is that you test symptomatic people. Okay. If, if someone has a flu, cold-like syndrome, well, cold-like syndrome for someone that's really frail, but if someone has a flu-like syndrome that's healthy, test them. Yes. Right. Because right now, Florida Surgeon General agrees with you saying skip children getting these COVID tests. Because, doctor, it is clogging up the system. It sets up a Absol- panic. Absolutely. <clears throat> and absolutely. when you think, and it terrorizes people. It does. It terrorizes it people. It does. People are and afraid. It puts, them into, it, puts them into, uh, it puts them into quarantines. Look, the NBA, for financial reasons, obviously, has decided that they're going to go back and, and use the data that comes with PCR testing called the cycle threshold, which is basically a reflection 
uh, you know, an inference or a reflection of the viral load, the amount of virus present in the sample. And the lower the lower the cycle threshold is, the more virus is there because that means it's testing earlier in all these cycles that the PCR procedure puts puts the sample through. And and what they decided is that if the cycle threshold, if you don't test positive, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, below thirty, that that drastically reduces your quarantine. And I think they're also trying to incorporate symptoms. They're actually starting to target just symptomatic players. But but the point is, um, the PCR tests, and we had to request this information um, by an opera request, huh. colleagues of mine at the Center for... for, for uh, freedom um, of Prosperity. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, well, <laughs> the Center for Freedom and Prosperity and, and, oh. also, and also colleagues at, at, at uh, my academic affiliation, oh, okay. which is still with, with the Center for Primary Care and Prevention. We, yep. we ultimately did an analysis, but you're, you're right. The, 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 the request actually was Representative Morgan who ultimately helped us get the Look data because they were yep. refusing to give the data. She's a fighter. Um, and, Yep. And and so we got data on 5,000 tests that were done at Rido, uh through the beginning of June of, of 2020. So the first wave of the pandemic. And what we saw was that the cycle threshold data on these individual tests actually predicted the ebb and flow of, of the pandemic. Um, and other other uh, other groups have shown that you can use the individual data of countries, for, as a matter of fact, India was recommending that that all patients uh, in areas of India that you know were, were developed enough to have this, uh, all patients be given their cycle threshold data, and if if it was if it was less than twenty five, we're indicating a higher load of virus, particularly for people who had comorbidities. That was an indication that they needed to have more aggressive follow up by their equivalent of a nurse practitioner um, and, and maybe hospitalization for, for monitoring. If it, if it was if it was above twenty five, they you know they don't have the resources. They they just they just had the patient you know stay in touch, but they didn't have to come to the hospital. There are ways to use this data. I've yeah. had it. Um, I've had the experience with ACI guards that were sent home, quarantined, you know, and turned, by the time they were able to get their cycle threshold data because they had to fight to get it, it they, they were mildly symptomatic, they were asymptomatic. It was well above that 30 threshold where they probably didn't need, you know, anywhere near that kind of quarantine. Folks, so there are all kinds of things that that we can that we can be doing with the data at hand. That's my point, John. Okay. You know, it's not like the data are missing. They're right. putting, we're spending gazillions of dollars on these PCR tests. We have the cycle thresholds. Give them to patients. Give yeah. them to their doctors. Make use of them. Put think, them on the website. What, what is and, the point of testing all these people that don't even show symptoms? And then on top of that, you have people that not, they're asymptomatic, but they're testing positive. Now, let me ask you a couple of things. Now, first of all, what if, we've known we've known with respiratory viruses that that it's the symptomatic people who 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 overwhelmingly drive the pandemic sure. or the, or the okay. epidemic. What about it's not the asymptomatic people? Understood. What about in LA? First case of Florona combination, both influenza and coronavirus, has been detected. Do you know or anything you can tell us about this Florona? I don't. I don't. Okay. I, I, honestly, right. I, I, we'll I, talk I to could, you again. I Maybe could, another I could surmise. Time. I could surmise that it might not be a good thing. You know. Yeah. If, you know, it, it could make a person sicker potentially. What about um, this story? The Omicron variant symptoms. There's a emergency room doctor that's saying it's making people really sick in different ways. So it may not be 
uh, you know, as as lethal. I, it's maybe not I'm as deadly. That's what I'm familiar with. You the are. Bottom line, the bottom line is. The bottom line okay. is. Um, do you know that? Do you know of that doctor, Doctor Craig Spencer? Okay. Uh, but, but the bottom line is the, the, the again the, the the hard data, like this data from Case Western, where they analyzed a database that included 84 million Americans, and and again, it's it's a consistent body of evidence that began in South Africa. And, and, has, and has been, uh, you know, validated in Europe and now being validated in the United States is that is that this is a is a considerably less virulent strain than than Delta, which we mo- most recently experienced. OK, is it is it are you familiar with this doctor in New York that was posting about this, this Dr. Craig yes. Spencer? OK, yes. Now, yes. what about, though, his contention that there's a few examples, diabetics or elderly, that somehow that the Omicron, it's it's really affecting them. Te- much, you know, terribly. That, and- that wouldn't be new. Okay. I mean, that wouldn't be particularly new. I, I mean, you know, uh, the, the obesity and, and diabetes uh, are, are major comorbidities and sure. the elderly are, are, are the most susceptible. So that, yeah. that wouldn't be unique, you know, at all to, the, to this strain. There was a very interesting paper, as a matter of fact, John, and this also gets the public health messaging. It was an interesting uh, paper published in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, recently, showing that in this uh, morbid obesity clinic, where they had data going back to uh, the way they could follow up on people that had that um, gastric bypass surgery and other other surgical methods to treat obesity, those that underwent the procedures you know successfully versus those that were just followed in the obesity clinic and didn't have those procedures, um, the the weight loss that was associated with with uh, with surgical management of, of, of morbid obesity um, conferred a significant benefit in terms of COVID morbidity and mortality. So even in the morbidly obese who are at, the, who are at very high risk for severe COVID, weight loss, and in this case by, by you know, surgical bypass, was associated with, with much better outcomes. Mm. And, and so this, is, this has got to be part of the public health messaging, which right. has nothing to do with vaccines or even therapeutics, that, that there are lifestyle changes that, that, that can favorably impact uh, on, your, on your prognosis. Now, folks, again, we're speaking with Dr. Andrew Boston. Doctor, let me ask you about two, two other things. One is, uh, what do you make of this Boston Globe story that Governor McKee learned on November 16th that numbers were going up? He keeps saying, oh, at Thanksgiving, we're ramping things down. Right. Um, right. What, 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 are you, what are you to make of that? Because I'm telling you I, that that is I, getting a lot of attention in the media that I, he I, has I, not been forthcoming. John. John, I heard I heard your interview with Dan McGowan. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and and while I I think it's I think it's um, inappropriate for the for the governor uh, to have to have misrepresented what he was what he was what was actually there. I mean, those were public data. You you could see that the curve was going up. Anyone looking at the Rido website, you know, could have seen that. The point is though that that's that's a typical you know fall moving into winter uptick in yeah. in respiratory viral infections okay. i mean what was he supposed to do about it you know if he, if he was i think what he was struggling with uh, and this is appropriate is you know the idea of going back to mask mandates yeah and ultimately you know he 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 gave in and did and 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 my point is that you know, so so what would have happened? He he would have he would have been forced to accede to the Department of Health's wishes and begin the mask mandate earlier. That wouldn't have made a darn bit of difference in the shape of the curve. It it never has, and you know, as far as we can see, what, it never will. What what about those either elderly or underlying conditions? Could could have at least been a warning to them, or are those people 
that they should have known anyway that they needed to be careful as we were getting into the winter months? Right, but it depends what how, what you mean. Yes, they should they should be careful. Oh, okay, but but it depends what you mean. I mean, if if it was just like, should they start wearing masks sooner? Look, they can do it uh, volitionally, but I don't think that would have made any difference. Okay, what what it might have meant though is stockpiling. You know, monoclonal antibodies. Okay. Um, you yes. Know, and, 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 and getting centers ready. You know, to to administer them, so we don't have this this logjam that apparently we have now. That, that would have been an appropriate, you know, an appropriate response, you know, to anticipate for any flu season. Doctor, right now, uh, Governor McKee has called out the National Guard. Uh, you know, there's such a frenzy over this testing. Um, what, what do you want to what do you want to I, I wish the National Guard, if those that are medically trained, you know, were assisting with if they could, if they have the appropriate training in delivering monoclonal antibodies. That would be a hell of a lot more important because apparently it's not necessarily just the, the supplies. I, I know, I know, Representative Chippendale investigated some of this, yeah. And he and he was he was told that it's not necessarily a supply issue; it's more of a delivery issue. Hmm. And and so, I, to me, that would be a lot more important than just testing people, or certainly testing asymptomatic people. And maybe be, um, if, that should be more of a priority. You're saying a, absolutely. In yeah. other words, if, if if they have if they if they if they know how to infuse, if, or if they've been trained, if they could be trained to infuse, um, that would be a much more useful thing, as, in my opinion, for them to be doing is, is giving helping give out monoclonal antibody treatments. Doctor Boston, also, um, I I think you picked up. I probably know about this, but um, you you testified in the the lawsuit that the parents brought about the masks in the schools and. Yes. Dr. McDonald from the Rhode Department of Health went on the stand and admitted, in fact, that if someone gets a gunshot wound, but then they come into the hospital and they test them and they are positive with COVID, they put them down as, and then let's, let's just say they expired, that they, it was COVID related. So Joe Rogan, he, he had um, a, a guest on that was talking about that and it, it echoed exactly <clears throat> some of your testimony and even... It echoed the testimony that Dr. McDonald testified under oath in court. And, you know, Big Tech, uh, YouTube took down the video of the discussion of that. Like, this is ridiculous what's going wait, wait, on. Which, which, which video was taken down? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll locate it for you and tell you about okay, it. But you're talking about one of Joe, uh, Joe Rogan's interviews? Yes, uh, with the expert. Yeah, I'll, I'll think yeah, of his yeah. name before we're done, but go ahead. Yeah, it could have been, it 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 been Robert Malone. It, been it was Robert, Robert Malone. Malone. It was Robert Malone. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I, I just wanted, I just wanted to correct you, um, Doctor McDonald. Doctor McDonald, um, on the advice of his lawyer, oh. had initially testified that that there were that there were in fact three deaths because of COVID in 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 in, in, in children in in Rhode Island. Right. He, he, he was he was corrected because you're allowed that opportunity to avoid perjuring yourself. Sure. Um, he was he, he he quote unquote corrected his testimony and then conceded that you know those. Those deaths were, were were again sort of these tangential deaths that, that had nothing to do with it, and then it was really it was really brilliant questioning by Greg Piccarelli, who, who literally gave the trauma scenario, the gunshot wound to the head, and those are the CDC guidelines. Doctor Doctor McDonald couldn't lie under oath that, that 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 would that would be classified as as a COVID death, applying the CDC guidelines, which apparently Rido does does apply, and, and it gets at this issue of hospitalization because remember. Before that poor decedent 
guys. In this case, this, the, the, the hypothetical was a 16-year-old male with a gunshot wound. Um, that, that's, a, that's a COVID admission, too, because they tested positive. Right. And, and so now you see the problem of classifying these incidentals. I understand why the hospitals do it. it it's, it's more of a reimbursement issue. Um, it's a CDC directive, but sure. it's also a reimbursement issue because of the extra expense and care that goes into isolating people that test positive. I understand that, but there's a, there's a way to do that, but also represent the data for epidemiologic purposes, for community awareness purposes in an honest way. There's a way to do both at the same time and and i don't understand why they 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 can't be more forthcoming about that between the hospitals and rido they need to tell us who's really there for a COVID pneumonia basically right folks we're speaking with dr andrew boston and doctor what about this business of now the cdc is saying i'd like you to actually give some advice to people if someone tests positive how long do you suggest and it's a suggestion i want people to understand that a suggestion how long they quarantine, and what about this business of people getting tested and you have to get a negative test before they go back to school or work, and now we're finding out it, it can stay in the system for as long as 12 weeks. Oh, yeah, so the PCR tests are, are hypersensitive. So when dead tissues are sloughing off remnants of the virus, uh, even Dr. Walensky herself admitted you could have a PCR test that, that, that is still positive weeks after you're, you've long cleared the live virus. Um, and, and, and this happened, by the way, in 2020 with a poor guy that was, came off the, prince, the, 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 prince, the Diamond Princess cruise ship and was separated from his wife, who quickly tested negative, but he tested positive. He was stuck in a facility in Nebraska for about six weeks ah. because his PCR test kept testing positive. Huh. And then they finally, it finally dawned on him. Yeah, well, you know, what about this phenomenon of, of, of you know, dead tissues, you know, continuing to shed remnants of the virus's uh, RNA that, that are being picked up in the PCR test? And, you know, finally they let him go. He was, he was asymptomatic for weeks. Um, so so as, far as, as far as in the short term, Again, if if you if you're focusing on symptoms, a lot of this becomes moot, John, because right. you wouldn't you wouldn't be isolating people that were asymptomatic to begin with. Yep. Um, you know, then it becomes because because by the time a person goes from symptomatic to asymptomatic, even without testing, they've probably cleared enough of the virus where you shouldn't be worried about them. What do you I make? Mean, this is just common sense. Doctor, what do you make of uh, people like the lieutenant governor, Sabina Matto, saying she did come down with COVID? She says she has mild symptoms. And then they say, and thank God I got the vaccinations and the booster. Otherwise, I much would have been much sicker. Look, John, if we had if we had good randomized controlled trials from the original vaccine trials, from the booster trials, um, we, we might be able to say that. Uh, unfortunately, those were not the outcomes right. in those trials, either yeah. the original, you know, vaccination series trials or the the there was a 10,000 person booster randomized control trial that Pfizer did. Those weren't the outcomes. Right. The outcomes were short term development of infection without even studying transmission in terms of doing contact tracing in, in, the, in those that got the vaccine and those that got the placebo uh, and the infected people in, in each of those groups. So. Yes, we have some observational data that suggests, you know, particularly in a, in a very high risk population like a nursing home, 
that that vaccination can prevent uh, some of the serious morbidity and and, and 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 possibly mortality. But 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 at this stage, even in those populations, it's really more suggestive based based on observational study. So this is the tragedy. I, I can't find a, a vaccine trial uh, since the 1954 polio vaccine trial, which actually uh, studied enough people, in that case, children, uh, and they studied 1.8 million children in the, in the, in the, in the original you know, polio flu vaccine uh, uh, field trial, randomized control trial. And they studied, they reduced the number of cases of paralytic polio by almost 400. That's a real trial, but hmm. that you know, the, the, and and it's what's tragic is that here was was the next time, uh, COVID marked the next time that the government was putting the kinds of resources in where they could have done a definitive trial like that, um, but instead we got I think frankly much inferior industry trials which do what industry wants to do they show a short term reduction in infections and then they race through the approval process, and they never answer the question of whether those those vaccination and those vaccinations actually reduce hospitalizations and deaths in in the in the construct of the randomized trial. Uh, I, I, I but you know this was a blown opportunity. This this could have been done. I mean, with the with the with the hundreds of billions of dollars that's being spent on COVID, uh, a, a trial of a million could have been done right. in, 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 in 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 the United in the United States alone, mm-hmm. just like it was done for polio in the nineteen fifties. Folks, again, he's Dr. Andrew Boston. Dr. Excellent as always. I we certainly enjoy your insight, uh, your take on this. I'm going to continue to talk to you. I I think you're one of the most knowledgeable people around, and I also want to be very clear to people that, I mean, all all your do you, well anyway. You come prepared. You back up everything you're saying. You're echoing what some other experts around the country, by the way, are or even in the world are are saying. Yeah, I but it's, it's, I, I just I just want to say, just to emphasize for the public, please please encourage transparency. Yeah. You're paying for the collection of all these data. You're right. Uh, you're you're contributing certainly to the Department of Health, and and frankly, I think you know given the public private you know cooperation that that allows these hospitals and these systems to exist, you can you should be demanding the data of them too. You're not asking for private information to put out a tweet each morning that tells us how many people are actually in the hospital. <laughs> because of a direct COVID admission <laughs> right. student pneumonia or not. That's right. Folks, he is uh, Dr. Andrew Bostrom. Doctor, great job as always. We'll talk to you again. Take care, John.